West Bulls, good morning. Hey, I need to make a confession. Every single year for the last 22 years on this Sunday, the first Sunday in June, we've actually been on the youth trip, either as like high schoolers, my, my wife and I, either as high schoolers, as leaders, or as chaperones. So I got up this morning, I didn't even know we were having church today. And so thanks for showing up. Anyway, um, I, uh, I missed all of you last week. We were out of town, but uh, my thanks to, I know he's not here, he's driving on the youth trip, but my thanks to Ryan Long for continuing our series, Doing Today a Different Way. Now, I need you guys to do something right now. I need everybody right now to get in your mind an image, so prepare yourself for that. Get in your mind an image of the most irritating, annoying, frustrating, cannot stand them, maybe the sight of them, like they're nails on the chalkboard to you, person in your life. Okay, that could be somebody real close to you, that could be a public figure, that could be somebody you see on social media, but everybody has that, okay, some of you are getting this wrong. I said, think of them, not point at them, all right? In fact, my sister's right up there, she's pointing up here at me, so um, you're in good company if you're pointing. But you've got that image in your mind? Okay. I want you to hold that image in your mind, and I want to read to you a, is actually a story, a parable, that Jesus told a crowd one day, and it's not very long, but keep that image in mind, because the story he told this crowd actually has, it has some pretty big implications for, for how we go about today, and, and as we've been talking about for a number of weeks, it, how we do today a different way. So listen to this. This is in Matthew chapter 13. Here's what he says. The kingdom of heaven, that's what we've been talking about, right? We've been talking about our kingdoms and God's kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Verse 27, the owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. Verse 28, the servant asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Well, no, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now, If you were to come back to that face that you got in mind earlier, and you were to think about this story, this parable poses a problem for many of us. In fact, I'd say it probably poses a problem for all of us. Because when I think about, you know, just furthering God's kingdom, or life going well, or all the different things that we just just think, I just want life to go smoothly, all right? But when I think about furthering God's kingdom specifically, Um, that face in in your mind and in my mind, in our minds, it can throw a wrench in things, can't it? And then it's compounded by what have we talked about as a church since January? We want to be about a place where you can connect with Jesus, connect with people, and connect people with Jesus. And sometimes there is just a face that shows up that makes things real, real difficult to do that. And so today what I want to do is I want to get real practical 
Because this parable, I mean, there's so much in this parable, but I want to make five observations in this parable that really help us understand the contrast and the difference between how we prefer to go through today and doing today a different way. And at the end of it, at the end of it, Jesus really provides a solution for us and how we actually go through today a different way. So let's, let's walk back through this parable because this first observation I want to make is really about the nature of the kingdom of God. That if we could just understand and accept this observation, well then we could maybe reframe the way we go through every single day. Listen to this again. Verse 24, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Now, a handful of verses later, Jesus actually explained this parable. And he, he told the crowd what each element in this parable meant. So he said, you know, the, the field is, is the world, and, and the one who sowed good seed is... That's Jesus, and you have an enemy who is Satan, it's the devil, and, and that, that other seed, the bad seed that is sown, is really the people that are out to further what the devil was trying to do. The harvesters are angels, and the harvest is really the end of the age. Now, when you think about that, that actually helps us just exhale a little bit. Because Jesus starts this whole thing with saying the kingdom of heaven is like, and in the course of talking about the kingdom of heaven, he acknowledges that there is going to be a period of time where there are just going to be weeds. See, I, I don't know that that's how I envision it. I like to think that the kingdom of heaven is perfect, that there are no problems. And Jesus says, oh, that, that day will come. But there's going to be a period of time, and this is really that first observation, there is going to be a period of time where there are some problems. There are just going to be. I was reminded of this. My wife and I went on a trip um, a few months ago, and we went to this beach and just asked this guy, where is the best place to swim? And he's like, well, what does best place to swim look like in your mind? I was like, just like um, white sand, it's smooth, we're not stepping on rocks and shells, and it's clear water, and it's warm. He's like, oh yeah, it's, that's right over there. I was like, perfect. And he's like, well, it is perfect, but it's also perfect for sharks. Sharks love to go in that water, because sharks have such bad eyesight, and sharks are so drawn to warm water. And, and it was as if he was saying, and it's as if Jesus is saying, you know what, that, that thing that you picture is perfect for a period of time. There are just going to be problems. He says there are going to be weeds. And we all get this because we're all trying to get weeds out of our lawns this time of year, right? And he says, no, no, the weeds are going to be there no matter what you do. Well, the parable progresses and there's, there's another observation I want to make. And it really tells us something about the nature, not of the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, but of the enemy we have. Take a look. <clears throat> he says, while everyone was sleeping, notice the timing, while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The weeds didn't show up any time until the wheat sprouted 
and formed heads. And it began to bear fruit and create and, and produce nourish, what would be nourishment for people. This is so interesting. And we talked about this the first week of the series. Remember, Satan is in the wilderness tempting Jesus. And Matthew doesn't give this detail, but in the Gospel of Luke, Luke says in there, in that account, that Satan left Jesus until an opportune time. He had finished tempting him, and then he left him until an opportune time. Do you want to know what he's looking for when it comes to you and me? An opportune time. And notice the two times that Jesus mentions in this parable. One, while they were sleeping, right? That's when our guard is down. And then number two, when the wheat begins to be productive. And there's this second observation that we've got to make, that we have an enemy who strategically plans his purposes. See, we, we chalk it up to coincidence or chance. Do, do you remember... I'm going to say children of the 80s and 90s again. Uh, do you remember Alanis Morissette? Did you listen to Alanis Morissette? I didn't. I was just checking to see if you guys did. I'm just kidding. I was a seventh grade boy absolutely in love with Alanis Morissette when, when her music came out. But she has this song. It's called Ironic. And she calls it all, everything is ironic. Jesus would say, no, it's not ironic. It's, it's very purposeful the nature of this enemy we have. But she says, she begins the song, an old man turned 98, won the lottery. I mean, you can sing it if you want. Won the lottery, died the next day. Hey, wow. We got our, Steve, we got choir. We got choir candidates in the room. She said, it's a black fly in your Chardonnay. It's a death row pardon, two minutes too late. And then she breaks into song, it's like rain. Well, she says it's like rain on, <laughs> I will not be singing it, all right? <laughs> it's like rain on your wedding day. But throughout the song, she says, isn't it ironic? And Jesus would say, no, it's very purposeful. You and I have an enemy who strategically, who intentionally plans his purposes. And then as the parable progresses, there's, there's a third observation that I want to make here. And it has to do with the nature of not just us, but our heavenly father. Listen to this next part of the parable again. The owner's servants, upon seeing these weeds, the owner's servants asked him, came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this. He replied, isn't that a familiar phrase for us? God, didn't you, didn't you sow good? I mean, God, isn't your kingdom supposed to be full of and filled with good? But something happens inside every single one of us. This is human nature. Something happens inside each and every single one of us when what's in front of us doesn't line up with good then we very naturally ask questions of our Heavenly Father, don't we? We say, God, didn't you so good? Aren't you good, Heavenly Father? I don't understand. I can't reconcile what I'm seeing in front of me. I just don't get it. And this third observation that we've got to come to and we've got to accept and realize is that oftentimes we just have to know this about ourselves that the nature of them, of people, can cause us to question the nature of him. 
can't it? We can look at what's in front of us and the people, the events, the situations, the circumstances in front of us can actually cause us to question the nature, the good nature of our Heavenly Father. See, we wouldn't do that if, has, how many of you have dropped your phone in here to the point that it cracked or chipped the phone? Okay, some of you are lying. Okay, everybody's done that. Um, no, I, if you either have had that happen or you know somebody who's had that happen. And never would you pick up your phone with a crack across the screen and look at an image on there or an email or a text message and say, wow, that, that email came through cracked. Or that text message has a crack in it. And then when I scroll to, the, to an image, oh, it has a crack in the same place. See, we would never say that the image or whatever's on the screen has a crack because everybody in here knows that it's the, it's the glass in front of the image that has the crack. But when life looks cracked and broken, it's easy to look at our Heavenly Father and think that it's Him. That God somehow, did you mean to break this? Are, are you broken? It's, a, it's, it's that thing where the nature of them can cause us to question the nature of Him. And there are two more observations that as we look at this parable, really say something about us. Take a look as it continues. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. There's an episode in Luke chapter 9. Jesus is walking with a few of his disciples, and with him are two brothers, James and John. And they go to this town, and basically what happens is the town rejects Jesus and the message of Jesus. And instantly, there's this thing that is, that is inside all of us. Instantly, what do James and John say? Should we call down fire? Jesus, can we just get them? Can we, you know what they were asking? Can we pull the weeds, Jesus? Because get rid of them is part of our thinking, isn't it? And get rid of them is part of the attitude that we, that we approach, especially our opposition. Especially when, when we've got somebody, we've got that image of that person in our minds, and we think, oh, they're just a weed. They're a weed in my life all the time. Get rid of is very much a part of our thinking, isn't it? All the time. It really is all the time. Brad Brady, he shared a story in our Home Builder Sunday School class one morning that I've just never forgotten. And he, he talked about in the 19th century the way that they, they um, got North Atlantic cod from Boston to San Francisco. There was one way to get it there. And it was to go south by boat around the tip of South America to San Francisco. And what they found was that they first tried to pack the cod in ice. But this journey would take months. And so by the time it left Boston and it got to San Francisco, you can imagine the ice was no longer there. And the cod was just, wasn't even fit for consumption. So they tried a different approach. They tried to transport the cod live. And so they put it in these tanks of water and they would make that same journey again and it would take months and months and months and it would show up in San Francisco and it still just looked as though it hadn't really even been moving. It wasn't fit for consumption. Finally, finally, somebody got the idea that how do you keep a cod fit 
and fresh and moving around and eventually be fit for consumption. You put its natural enemy into the water with it, a catfish. And so they put catfish in the, these tanks of water. And by the time that the cod arrived in San Francisco, it had been moving around because it had to be vigilant and it had to be alert. And by the time it got to San Francisco, it was fresh and it was fit for consumption. Point of the story. God's going to eat us one day. No, that's not the point of the story. <laughs> But even though God may not, have, may not have wanted the weeds there, he says, I can use them. I can use them because if these weeds will keep you vigilant, if these weeds will keep you dependent on him, well then, there's a purpose for them. And so get rid of that thing in us that says get rid of, that may be something we want to rethink. That may be an attitude that we want to rethink. Finally, one-fifth observation. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Do you notice the imagery of the words there? Wheat and weeds. Have you ever seen a picture of wheat and weeds together? Take a look. I mean, can you tell? It's hard to tell, isn't it? It's really difficult to tell wheat from weeds. And we have to be cautious anytime we think that we know. In fact, one day, Jesus told another story. He said, you know, there was this Pharisee. There was this Pharisee that was, was standing, and he was talking to God, and he looked over, and there's a tax collector. And what did the Pharisee say? You've heard this, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. He said, God, thank you that I'm not like that man. Because on the surface, the Pharisee saw a weed. But the tax collector looked up to God. And he said, God, I need you. And I need your forgiveness. It's hard to tell who is wheat and who is weed, isn't it? In fact, I read something, an interview with a, a farmer, and he said, the only way you can really tell wheat from a weed, it's so interesting to me, is that when you look across a field of wheat, the heads of the wheat will be bowing. But weeds will be standing tall and standing straight up. And isn't that true of the attitude of the human heart? That God sees the human heart, and he sees the heart that is bowed before him. Here's the thing, we can't see that. He truly is the only one who can see it. And so this fifth observation about us is really just, the, the, just admitting that we can't tell which is which. I think a lot of times we do what I do at Easter with jelly beans. You know, you, you, do any of you go through the jelly beans and it's like, coconut, you're out. Black licorice, you're out. Everybody else can stay, but coconut and black licorice, gross. They got to go. I think Jesus, if he was here, he'd say, yeah, it's not quite that easy. In fact, have any of you had the terrifying experience of playing It's a Jelly Bean game, being boozled? Oh, it is terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Take a look at the colors and the flavors, okay? You've got, you've got pairs of every look up here. But one that looks like Tutti Frutti actually tastes like stinky socks. And you've got another that um, it looks like chocolate pudding, but it's canned dog food. 
Berry blue could be toothpaste. And I think what Jesus is getting at here is he's saying, you just don't know. You can't tell the difference between wheat and weeds. If you've never played this, just be ready to have a bucket next to you or a trash can, okay? But we just don't know. And as you look at these five observations about that, I mean, there are so many more that could probably be made. But these five observations should bring us to a realization that you and I cannot possibly go through one day of our lives and make it through that day without somebody, in, someone, excuse me, something, someone greater than ourselves. Because every single day, I'm going to be avoiding the problems. And every single day, I'm not ready for the timing of the enemy. Every single day, there's going to be the nature of what's going on in front of me causing me to question the nature of the one who made me. Every single day, the default attitude I'm going to want to apply to the weeds in my life is going to be get rid of. And every single day, I have to remember that I don't know which is which. And so to go any further in this parable, to even be able to do and carry out what Jesus says next in the parable, you got to know Jesus. And it's a question we all ought to consider. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Because you can't get through today on willpower. You can't get through an hour on willpower. But if you know Jesus, then you can actually live amongst these observations we just made and actually do what Jesus says next. Verse 30. He says this. Let both, this is after he told them, don't pull the weeds. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. You know that face, that face that you pictured earlier? According to what Jesus says, you know what? They could actually grow in their ways. Isn't that a fun thought? Aren't you so glad you came to church this morning? They could actually grow in their ways. Jesus says, let them. Sure, you may have to address some things, but the solution is not get rid of. It's not to pull them out. It's to let, let them grow. Let them grow together with the wheat. Jesus says, it's not your job. It's not my job. It's not our job to get rid of, to pull out. It's to stay next to. In fact, I, I, another way of saying it would maybe be rather than remove, it's restrain and remain. Jesus looked at his servants and he said, I don't want you to remove them. You restrain you. You restrain that thing that you think you want to do. You restrain you and remain with them. And that's difficult, isn't it? In fact, I would say that's something that is so impossible to do unless you have Jesus. It is, because when we apply get rid of thinking to the people in our lives, we are making the assumption that God's job is now our job. Years ago, when I had a lawn business, I, I was out mowing a lawn. You're going to think I hate the animal kingdom after these, la these last two sermons. This guy ran up to me freaking out, and he said, do you have a spade shovel? 
And I said, why? And he said, because I have a rattlesnake going across my lawn right now. This was next door. Sure enough, went over, and there is the most patterned snake I have ever seen in my life. And it is just slithering and beginning to coil. And he said, if you have a shovel, can you take it out? And so I naturally took the shovel, took the shovel right to the middle of the snake. It took about 10 minutes. I know all of you are cringing. Some of you are like, yes. Um, and what I discovered, another neighbor came over. He's like, I've seen you like whacking at this thing. And do you realize you just killed a bull snake? It's like, oh. If you don't know anything about bull snakes, bull snakes you want around because they will deal with the behavior of a rattlesnake. I thought it was a rattlesnake. Now, in nature, I don't know of any weed that can actually turn into wheat. But in God's kingdom, weeds have the opportunity to become wheat. They have the opportunity to become wheat. And woe to us if we walk around thinking get rid of. Instead, there's a piece of advice that is so much more fun for me to give to people than it is to apply to myself. But I believe Jesus wants us to walk next to him. He says, I want you to restrain you and remain with them, which might mean walking in some tension and dealing with some tension. That's a different way to do today, isn't it? But one day, can you imagine? One day, as you look across a field of wheat and weeds, that God would look at your life and he'd say, but you know what you produced? You know what you grew in the middle of wheat and weeds? Fruit. Because that restrain and remain, Paul had a word for it. He had a series of words for it. Self-control. He said these are words like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all words that take place in the context of human relationships. And my prayer is that every single person in here, when we get to the end of this life, and we look back across this life at a walking through a field, through wheat and through weeds, that God could look at every single life and say, but you grew fruit. So as the worship team comes up here, let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you are a God who looks at us. And when you look at our lives, you're patient. While we, while we run around and we see people and we say, get rid of them, get rid of them, get rid of them, you're a God who's incredibly patient because your desire is that all would come to repentance and all would come to know you in order that all would bear the fruit of the Spirit. May that be said of each and every single one of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.